0: that's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary DW report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18
1: plus.
2: Pied holes and politicians. The press the digitators and magicians. First you see the money, then you don't. There's nothing to fill the holes while they're filling their pockets. Bad
3: Politicians bouncing down the road everybody's wishing for no more corruption and dysfunction is gonna take divine intervention. And God bless y'all out there. You are now listening to the Founders Show, the voice of the Founding Fathers, coming to you deep within the bowels of those mystic and cryptic alligator swamps of the Big Easy. That old crescent city. New Orleans, Louisiana, and high up on top of that old Liberty Cypress tree, perched on the Eagles branch. This is your very own Chaplain High McHenry, your Spingary Baba
0: of the Republic. With Christopher Tidmore, your roving reporter and resident radical moderate. And ladies and gentlemen, we've got a great show for you today. A little in the second half of the show, we're going to get into the legislative session. What would you do if you had two hundred million dollars and you were broke? Well, probably not what the legislative session wants to do. We're also going to talk about the elections. Incumbents triumphed. Well-known political names triumphed, with one prominent exception. We're going to talk about that and the impact and how that may hearken for the elections coming up in Jefferson Parish next thing. We're also going to mention election we haven't talked much about, what's going on in Slidell and those elections later in the program. And a special tribute to a true legendary figure uh, of the legal community here in the New Orleans area. But before we get into any of that, ladies and chi- ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for our going coastal segment. Going coastal is a partnership with thefmz.com, fifth, standing for 50 Miles Zone, the place for all coastal news around the country. If you live within 50 miles of the coast, this is the place you should go. Thefmz.com. And hi, McHenry and Christopher Tidmore appear in thefmz.com each week, and we got a lot to talk about uh, on this particular edition when it comes through. Hi. And one thing we've got to start off about is something that has been affecting communities around the country.
3: And Christopher, just really quickly, for the 50 miles zone, this is established by the Coast Guard because it is their jurisdiction, which means they are all over the United States. Because everywhere you go in, in America, there are rivers, towns, ponds, lakes, whatever. And that gives the Coast Guard greater jurisdiction than any other branch of the, of the United States within America.
0: Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. The FBI and others might argue with that, but it gives them a lot. There's, no, there's Military. I meant military. Oh, yeah. a military yeah. it's, the one, it's the one military basis not particularly covered by most areas of posse comitatus, and because they deploy in U.S. soil. Anyway, uh, ladies and gentlemen, because of that, we talk about cities and coastal communities all around the country, and we've got a lot to talk about today in this segment. Of course, are a few basic things. It looks like electric ferries will be making its way to the United States. We'll talk about that. They're now going at, imagine, electricity being able to uh, push you around, and ferries actually taking up a lot of the work that are going on right now with your bus systems, It could happen in a lot of cities. It's already happening around the world. And self-guiding, self-driving ferries may be the next thing. But we need to talk a little bit more specific about something that's been affecting this new article that yours truly, Christopher Tidmore, posted on the FMZ was talking about Airbnb and the home share services. Now... It's entirely possible, ladies and gentlemen, that you've stayed in an Airbnb or HomeAway or one of the other services, and I will be the first one to say it. This is a great experience in most places. You go there, it's cheaper, it's fun, you get to stay in a real place, often in a neighborhood, and it's a great opportunity if you're a tourist. What we talk about in the new article in the FMZ, though, is it's not so great if you're the longtime residents of these communities. You know, Hi. You have a particular perspective on this, and I want to talk to you about it because you'd actually operated an old-fashioned B&B for a number of years. But I-, I can say that Airbnbs are impacting neighborhoods around the country. Um, I mean, for example, we know for a fact a study that was released back in October of 2017 by a man, Kyle Barron, who said for every 10% increase in Airbnbs led to... Essentially, a 0.4% increase in rents and a 0.6% increase in house prices. That doesn't sound like much. However, it may be underplacing, because when the Harvard Law and Policy Review looked at this, they found out rents went up in Los Angeles, not a small place, in the whole city by 3%. Guess what? got worse in New York. According to McGill University, a Canadian uh, study of New York City found annual rents went up by $780 in, the big, in Manhattan and $380 per year in the, uh, across the Big Apple. But why should we care about this? Because, frankly, the real data was sparse as to whether or not Airbnb, and this really affects neighborhoods. Most people defend it because, look, if you've got a property and you can rent it out, that seems a positive thing the first official study about the real impact of Airbnb has occurred in our hometown in the Crescent City, and it just came out this pen- past Wednesday, March 28th. And it, New Orleans is a little bit different, because all those cities I mentioned, folks, it's actually illegal to have homestays for less than 30 days. It's finable in New York, Los Angeles, and all, and you, you still happens all the time, but it, you can be fined. So, you don't have a lot of business people, corporate people, buying up residents' apartments and doing it. Well, New Orleans was the experiment. It was the 18 months ago, the Mitch Landrieu administration came forward with this idea that they would form a partnership with the online services and they would legalize it. Airbnbs legalized everywhere but in the French Quarter, but they put a few regulations on it. First of all, you could only rent for 90 days, so that you didn't have commercial properties. so that was the philosophy. And the city would receive a small fee from it that would go into a fund for affordable housing. So it would try to offset this somehow. And it seemed like it would work well. Well, 18 months later, well, an interesting thing's been happening. Neighborhood rents have been going through the roof. There was a new study that has come out um, by an organization, ladies and gentlemen, known as the Jane Place Neighborhood Sustainability Initiative. And they commissioned a study, a national study called Short-Term Rentals, Long-Term Impacts, the Corrosion of Housing and Access and Affordability in New Orleans. And they found a few things. First of all, rents across the city have doubled in 18 months. Now, part of that is a trend that has been going on since Hurricane Katrina, but it's happened everywhere. But there's some more case and statistics. For those that live around the country and listen to us on the FMZ.com, You may not be familiar with these neighborhoods, but there's a series of historically African-American neighborhoods around the French Quarter. You may have seen the HBO series Treme, the Faubourg Treme, historic black neighborhood. Well, when they were filming that series, it was 79% African-American. Today, it's 46%. Mid-City has gone from 90% to 65%. This is out-migration of black families. Pigeon Town, an area high knows really well, Leonidas area, from 75 to 45%. Put another way, two years ago, a two-bedroom apartment in the, in the Treme rented for $1,000 per month, or $32 per day if you break it down. As of February 15th, Airbnb's own website, Inside Airbnb, says that apartment rent will go for $187 per night, meaning it takes just six days for an owner to pocket the same amount of money. Yes, Christopher, I'm
3: I'm very well aware of the Airbnb situation, but we're getting into a very challenging and difficult uh, condition of our society and it all has to do with the computer world. Uh, Do you realize that the largest, by far the largest, taxicab company in the world that doesn't own one taxi is uh, Uber? Uh, Airbnb doesn't own one hotel or one apartment or one B&B or whatever. Uh, It's all being done through computers, through apps apps are the key. Now we're having many other experiences like this with robots and all the whole IT world, the rapid development of it all AI, artificial intelligence. Where's all this gonna take us? Uh, Right now it seems like it's becoming a wrecking ball to our economy, to society, to our labor forces. But what are we gonna do about it? Do you shut down the computer world? I don't think that's gonna happen. So we're facing a huge challenge and the leadership our leadership of this country of all branches business uh, government uh, religious etc uh, just uh, uh, charitable institutions or whatever they all need to get together and try to come up with a plan along with the IT world because we have, fr- we have uh, free enterprise you know you, you want to attack free enterprise take away people's freedom to compete in the business market uh, this is a very very sticky situation And uh, I don't have the answer. I can see the problem and I can see it. I've watched it develop. I've watched our kids You work with inner city kids here in New Orleans. They're urban poor. We've watched them driven out of neighborhoods. And uh, I have um, some very good friends that are really on a campaign for this. They've made it almost one of their life's work to wake people up and to try to turn this thing. So what is the answer? I don't know, but I do know if you're a praying person out there, you better hit your knees and pray because we are facing a real crisis in America.
0: Well, and I'm I'm not so negative on on the. I think the digital revolution has been the p- most positive thing. Take this show. While our terrestrial radio listeners would be going on, we wouldn't. There would be no podcast on the on the thing. And I agree with you, Chris. I'm not against the IT world. I'm just saying it's creating real challenges for us. So we have to rise up and meet. That's all I'm saying. No, and I agree with that. And it, it's going to be it's going to create more challenges as you have AIs yes. come through. You you mention it. There's literally, we're going to see the urban working class and our next topic coming up on Roseanne and what's going on is a good example of that and how things have changed. But where you've got to come up with practical solutions. Look, I'm, I'm going to be the first one to say this. I think Airbnb is a wonderful thing for a person who owns their own home that is trying to get a little extra money and try to meet some new people or not, you know, run a rent out their home so they can go on vacation. I think that provides a service and a true competition of something. But what we found in the Airbnb market, the, un- the law of unintended consequences, that's how it's built. That's how Airbnb started. And if you read the story, I've read the book about the founders. It was a brilliant concept that was kind of an afterthought. They were trying to form another business, a serial business, and they were trying to find out a way to make money. And they ended up creating this app, just like Uber created this app and so on and so forth. But what we found is that Airbnb and the other ones, I don't want to just target that homestay right. and some of the other, home away, I mean, the others. A lift for the taxi cab. Yeah, yeah but, but I mean, I'm talking about the homestays right. one. What they've done is they've encouraged an entire generation of people that essentially buy homes, complete houses, for nothing more than the purpose of renting them out in residential neighborhoods.
3: You're right, Christopher. We are, this is mainly about housing, but... Just as an example, uh, the, the traditional taxicab companies hate Uber and, and, and Lyft and whatnot because we're, uh, they're out-competing, the traditional
0: cab companies. Yeah, but I don't mind being out-competed. Um, to be honest with you, Hi, I, I actually have comparatively little sympathy for for the, most of the taxi companies. Um, I mean, I really, I really don't care that they, they're getting out-competed. I thought this has become a regulated market that isn't. What I, um, I think Uber has opened up great opportunities for people. I am worried about safety and a few other things that have raised some legitimate issues, but generally it hasn't raised all that many issues for it. And what I'm worried about specifically about Airbnb is not so much the app. It's not the technology. It's what communities in urban areas will do. I mean, they go to one extreme or the other. They either ban it or they say you can allow it everywhere. Interestingly, the reaction to what has happened in Orleans Parish, for, uh, our local listeners know this, but for our national listeners, they know that um, the New Orleans is separated into basically five counties, five, uh, five parishes as we call them. Jefferson Parish, where most of the people in the Orleans metro area live, got so reacted to what was happening in New Orleans, they banned Airbnb from neighborhoods, but they allowed it on commercial thoroughfares and in business districts. So there is a place to do it, like as if in New Orleans it just said the CBD, but not in every single neighborhood around it.
2: With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
3: You can only have it for your own house. What's happening is, big money is coming in, buying up whole <laughs> neighborhoods, almost tons of housing and whatnot, and putting in you know a thousand units. And there's no that's not a normal Airbnb. Come on, we know that's not normal. They're running it like a hotel, and, and that's what should be. I think that's what, that is what's killing the neighborhoods. Not just some poor little guy you, turns his house into B and B. That's not doing it. What's doing it is this mass attack takeover of neighborhoods by Airbnb, and like you said, r- then it drives the rents up and the poor folks got to leave. So it, 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 it is a seriously affecting the uh, the, the state, the, the atmosphere of our old neighborhoods.
0: Well, and hi, McHenry, I would, you know, you're, you're echoing what the, uh, Jane Place Initiative manager, um, program manager, Brienne Dedecker said, she said, what their report exposes is a lie. What is happening in New Orleans is not home sharing, but the hotelization of residential housing. And and this is what I find interesting I wanted to talk to you about this topic because ladies and gentlemen while high and I can opine and sometimes we opine on topics we don't have a lot of personal experience about high and his wife operated a B&B an actual bed and breakfast and still do and still do and operate an actual bed and breakfast a historic home that and you guys it's not like you just log on a website for years you had to be in compliance with the city you had to go to great lengths to make sure it and you were the only one allowed anywhere near your neighborhood
3: no, there were other B&Bs around us. No, that's, we had two, no, two or three
0: street, of
3: them. not your. Oh, yeah, like a ha- ha- couple okay. houses away. Right. So there's one right across the street right now. And by the way, because of the advantages of, of, of uh, Airbnb, I joined them. However, I haven't yet rented anything in the past since I joined them because of other reasons, not because it's not a good opportunity. I just, our B&B is not operational right now. We're not sure if we're going to even continue it. We may. We don't know. But um, I found it to be much a much better deal. And these these um, app companies, if you want to call them, like Uber and Airbnb, they do. They have good self-regulation. They. I drove for Uber, so I know they have very serious regu- regulatory measures to make. They don't want their drivers getting in trouble, and they get rated. And believe me, you can get you can lose your job by by your ratings by the, the customers. So um, you better have a good car. Everything better be in order. You better have your insurance down and everything else. They really check it closely, and they, they do the same thing for Airbnb. So that is good about Airbnb. It's the hotelization, which is what you just mentioned. That is the crime of this whole Airbnb. Not some guy living in his house like we do, and we're Airbnb, although we have not yet taken one penny for,
0: for, uh, under Airbnb, because like I said, we have other reasons why we're not operational. Well, and, and this, how to fight this, how to not stop people, because I'd be, the free marketeer in me would be just as angry if you said you couldn't do Airbnbs, and it's been pointless. Cities that have banned Airbnb, New York City is a good example of that, they, go on Airbnb. I'll show you a thousand listings, they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people, somebody who is a, an individual, what a, if you will forgive the ancient term, yeoman owner. Somebody owns their own home, owns their own apartment, condo, in most cases we're talking about. I don't see a problem with them airbnb to their heart's content. That's what happens in Europe. France, Airbnb, and the relation is completely legal. Here's the requirement, and it goes to just what you said. You have got to physically live in the property. You can go away for the weekend, but it's got to be your home, and then you can do it. And that is one of the regulations. The New Orleans City Council and the reaction of this, and the fact that rents across the city of New Orleans have increased to twenty one hundred dollars for a two bedroom apartment. Now, this is for people who live in um, LA or San Francisco or Boston. That's like, well, that's nothing. But understand, ten years ago, that same apartment would have cost thousand dollars, and even two years ago, before the Airbnb, it might have been thirteen or fourteen hundred. So we're seeing, when we're seeing inflation in apartments, it's happening exponentially at this point. The argument before the New Orleans City Council, the Airbnb in particular is fighting, is to institute what's called the homestead exemption. This is, under Louisiana law, the first $75,000 are exempted for an individual homeowner's property taxes. But it's a very easy way to figure out who owns your own home. People voluntarily join the homestead exemption because they've got to prove they own their own home. And if you simply cross-apply that map to the Airbnb map, Suddenly, you don't have owners owning absentee properties. What you have is people having homes. And maybe that's the solution in this whole measure. It does make it difficult for some people who rent, particularly in, um, in downtown areas around the country, who would rent a property with the expectation they would sublease it and they'd be gone. But if you don't do such a thing, you will end up with this. And I, I, I come back to, I talk to a lot of musicians. We, we mentioned the, the Tremé the HBO show was designed because this was the center of jazz and music in New Orleans where the musicians live i defy you in a course of 10 years to walk down the streets of the Tremé and other than a few people who've own, families have owned their homes for a long time or something like that i defy you to find someone who can afford a musician that used to live there and walk to their gigs in the French Quarter or Saint Claude Avenue, the uh, French Market downtown, and it can afford to live there? And you know what's now happening? The assessments on their homes are going so high that even if you own your own home, the property tax liability has gone to the point where you had a house that may have been worth fifty or hundred thousand dollars is now worth eight hundred in a course of ten years. If you're if you're someone who's making $50,000 a year, you've just been priced out of your neighborhood even if you own your house completely with no mortgage.
3: That's right, and believe me, that's why Mitch likes this. He's saying cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. That's why he's promoted Airbnb and allowed it and whatnot. And and, and, and probably most other politicians are going to do the same thing. Their their primary focus is always money and power and, of course, self-aggrandizement. And that's where Mitch is, so we can understand why the Airbnb is being allowed to hotel a size, if you will, uh,
0: the New Orleans area. Uh, well, and I'm a, a little bit more sympathetic to Mitch Landrieu on this particular issue. Of course, Mitch Landrieu has been making the national rounds about his book, hi's, you know, about the Confederate monuments. Hi, who is one of the leading advocates of maintaining the Confederate monuments, and I was somebody who was talking about, who was trying to be in the middle of this, has become a very polarized issue. I, I looked, you know, I don't want to get in a Confederate monuments conversation, High, but I will say... You just did. I just, but what I'm saying is... In this particular case the city doesn't actually make a huge amount of money very little on on the fees almost all the fees they get from Airbnb They're, they, the fees are getting on the property taxes Chris well, that's I, what he's looking at I understand and I understand where it's going and um, this has led some of the new members of the New Orleans City Council to look to California in the late 70s in and in a prop that would freeze property taxes at the moment of purchase so I mean it's coming through I will say though that Mitch Landry's record in this Interestingly, his his record is that he was dealing with a municipal problem. He dealt with a very distinct one. You're not, and this is the this is the other side to it. I look at so many politicians who say, "Ban Airbnb, ban it," and you know what? You can't ban progress. And this goes to your initial point. You cannot ban progress digitally. Th- it's going to find a way. What you have to do is do something hard. Find practical solutions. Look w- with. Facebook and this whole back-and-forth of politics, you know, the fact of the matter is we don't need to ban Facebook. We don't need to ban this. What we need to do is find um, privacy, practical privacy security, so they can't mine our identities and use them against our will.
3: The primary purpose of government is defense and protection. It's not provision. We're Americans. We're pioneers. We, we, we can stand our own two feet. We can forge our way to victory. That is the American spirit. We don't need the government... Taking care of us in the sense of providing for us and making us a bunch of of, of, of idiots of, of sycophantic uh, crybaby idiots who, who, who you know uh, snowflakes so to speak uh, who, who want everybody to take care of them no they 're to provide for the defense of this country when I joined the military, I took an oath that I would defend not politicians, not the government, but our constitution from enemies foreign and domestic, and that is the job of our government. So, if something is damaging society, they need to step in and stop it. Airbnbs are damaging society because of, of the ex- excesses. They need to step in and stop it. But don't t- make. Don't you think that Mitch Langer and his crowd are going to try to kill the property tax hikes that are going on right now? They love it, even though they don't use it to fix the potholes. I don't. We. I'm. I'm still trying to figure out what good are they doing with all this money seems to just disappear. Well, they're taking nice, fancy trips, right, Christopher? Very expensive lunches. Everybody's got a car and on and on and on. Uh, but what are they actually doing to fix our city?
0: Well, I'm a, I'm a little bit more sympathetic in that I was covering City Hall before Mitch Landrew and after Mitch Landrew and I, I saw the differences. It was massive. Um, like but what? Yeah, I can go through the budget. I can go through the rezones, I can go through the whole things. I don't want to talk about that in, in, on the Going Coastal segment. I am going to say that there is one little side effect before we get into europe and talk about what's going on um with ferries uh, in this going coastal podcast i I need to point out an interesting little side effect we're talking about digital apps well roseanne came out and the whole country's talking about roseanne and i've got to say uh unusually things i was a fan of the show when it first came when it was on 20 years ago 25 years ago And um, Roseanne, for those that know, of course, is a very outspoken. Personally, Roseanne Barr, not Roseanne Connor, the character, is a very outspoken Trump supporter. And it was interesting because she's also been the the presidential candidate of the, I think it was, not the Green Party, the Socialist Party of America, or something like that. But she made a comment. But in the show, and the reason I'm bringing this up, besides the fact it was the highest-rated TV show that has been on TV in three or four years. As a comparison, higher rated than the return of Will and Grace and some of the others. In the show, Roseanne Connor, the character, drives Uber because she's lost her job. She had an industrial job. She's lost her job, and that's how, as a 70-year-old woman, she's helping maintain her family. Her husband, is, um, who's played by John Goodman, a New Orleans local, is himself trying to keep alive in the construction business. They've been through a whole thing. And it's part of the connection that the show kind of resembles what's going on. For those that haven't, didn't see the show, of course, Roseanne um, in, in the show is an outspoken Trump supporter. Her sister, Jackie, who's played by Laurie Metcalf, is an outspoken Hillary Clinton supporter. And they haven't spoken for a year over this. And the, it's their reconciliation. The kids come home. When she was defending this, a lot of people in Hollywood were uncomfortable with the idea of an outspoken Trump supporter having a show as an outspoken Trump supporter. And she said, you know, it's not me who left everyone. It's not me who's left the politics, because Jimmy Fallon asked this question. It's not me who's gone right wing. It's you people. The funny thing is, she goes, Trump is not that conservative. What does he support? Some kind of tariffs and protection? He would never cut Medicare and Social Security, which were a major Republican issue. He goes, she goes through some of the lists. She says, you know, the fact of the matter is, what's happened is the whole political, and she says this, and other people were just quiet because they don't expect that to come out of Roseanne. She says the entire political landscape has shifted to the left. So what used to be, quote, left wing is kind of centrist now. And you can go the whole thing, the other side effect of the show, and this John Podhoritz, the conservative writer, writes this about it, complimenting, he says, you know, one thing my fellow conservatives have not picked up on is most of middle America does not care about the social issues. In the whole show, Darlene, the the daughter's kid, and Sarah Gilbert is the producer of the show. She was one of the kids who played on the original show, and she plays the same character as a 42-year-old. Her son is nine years old, And it's cross-dressing, basically. He's trying to find himself. And the idea, could he get gay? Well, but the point they get into is they talk about the safety of the kid going to school. And there's a back and forth. It's a wonderful episode. But she finds out the subtext of the episode that's not not placed is that a lot of the people who voted for Trump high. And I know this is not going to make you happy as a social conservative. The reason why the Stormy Daniels stuff or all this stuff is not really playing on Trump is his opinion ratings are up. They're above 45%. The reason is not because people don't believe or do believe Stormy Daniels. Most people believe it.
2: It's- With the Lucky land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: The social issues don't care. And they leveled this to Roseanne. She says, well, you know, he's against all this stuff, including same-sex marriage. And she said, no, he's not. Trump supported same-sex marriage 10 years before, um, you know, a Barack Obama did. And he's never changed it. And it gives an idea that, frankly, Trump probably is the post-social conservative president, the first one we've had on the Republican side in a gen- two generations.
3: Yeah, but Christopher... He has a huge, if you will, what we used to call the religious right base, a huge one. And they played a major role in getting him in office. First president to ever have five prayers at his inauguration, mainly by very strong Bible-based evangelical ministers. He's uh, first time he's ever set up a committee of preachers to advise him in the White House. First time it's ever happened in America. So he has a very strong religious right base. They were interviewed on CNN a couple of days ago. And in unison, they supported him. They talked about his sin problems and their own sin problems, recognizing that everybody has sin problems. A good Christian will do that. And yet, uh, you know, they recognize the fact that there is redemption. And there, there, there are changes that people can make. Uh, so, you know, they're not worried about Trump running around with Stormy Daniels right now or anybody. Uh, they think that's his, it is his past. And, and to try to, and this is, you know, look, it's not nice. It, it was gross to me. Uh, I mean, she's a gross person, but, but if that's what he liked, fine. Um, that's his business, and, and um, they, they, they can find redemption for Trump. They're looking at his, his political and his economic moves for, I'll say political, um, for, you know, for the basic things, defense, the wall, uh, crime, the things that government's supposed to do protect us remember we mentioned that early that's the real purpose of defense and protection that's it and and he's doing a great job on that even though he's being opposed tremendously not just by the left but even by the the rhinos and his own party he's fighting a huge battle the deep state everything is Ripping this guy to shreds, including the mainstream media, they won't say one good thing about him, no matter what good things he does, but if they can find the tiniest little thing where they think they can throw mud at him, they do it every time, just like the Stormy Daniels deal. Where were they on the Clintons with all of their massive uh, sex abuse scandals? Where were they then? they they hardly got any notice. Yeah,
0: here's the whole thing. I I've got news for you. Being a reporter during that time, I got a lot of notice. Um, my, we, no, 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 no. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say said. I'm gonna say something. There I was reading Eric Erickson. Um, for those that don't know, Eric Erickson was the founder of Red State. Very prominent voice in the conservative movement. Himself, a uh, minister as well. You know, I mean, he's, But he's, 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 he's known as a political, he's a well known political talk show host in Atlanta, writes nationally, um, is the editor of The Resurgent, and hates Trump, I even though he agrees with it. And e- Erickson is talking about, he's a huge critic. He, his col- latest column was about how Christians have chosen Mammon, they you know, those. But you know what I'm getting at? You just said something. Christians care about the wall, care about crime, care about uh, jobs, care about tariffs, along with all the other rest of most Americans. Yeah. Well, this is what I'm getting at. The fact of the matter is, with the exception of abortion, which is, uh, I'll bring up, that's a special case and it's an important one. With the exception of abortion, the social war is over. The courageous right lost right now no one would ever go back and say let's have a constitutional amendment to define marriage between a man and a woman remember that was the major issue of 2004 not here anymore you go through all the different social issues it's not the one exception to that is abortion and nobody even the most pro-life members of it seriously is putting forward an absolute ban Um, they, they they had something that went up in Ohio and it's gone down the one area where it's gone down is a 15-week ban. That's what's happening in Mississippi. That's what ha- may happen in Louisiana. That's going down to basically put U.S. law, believe it or not, nobody talks about this on the media, in the right or the left. It would make U.S. law the same as European law because that's where most Americans are in abortion. They basically, and I'm pro-life, I will say that from conception, but most Americans, here's where they are. They're not pro-life or pro-choice in the sense that we believe in it. They believe basically you ought to have access to the morning after pill. A woman should be able to do something in the first three to four weeks of a life. But that once you get beyond about 12 weeks, it may be a baby. Now, I'm not trying to have an abortion discussion. Other than that issue, this is why the religious right, and this is what n- people seem to miss, and they're getting to it. And we're about to close the segment. We've got one more thing. Is the fact that the, soci- the culture wars are over. And this is what, when a lot of conservatives are going against Trump, I can't stand Trump for a lot of reasons, but it's not the fact that he's a social moderate. It's not the fact that, frankly, he has slimy taste in women. I, I said it.
3: I, I, not his wife, Christopher.
0: Not his three wives. They were all really fine persons. Yeah, I mean, I'm, with, all, with all respect, um, you know what? I, I met Ivanka, uh, I met Ivana Trump once. Smart lady, Ivanka's mother but not overly impressed. Um, Christopher, when she was young, she was no, very impressive. She, no, I, she was beautiful when I met her. Yeah. I'm talking about her personality. I'm talking about her grace. My, and I'm not trying to put down somebody else for that. My point being, I don't care. I really don't care who the president stoops. And this is the problem. Most American, the United States doesn't care anymore. And there are people on the conservative right who don't get this. There's also people on the left who are going crazy about the president's affairs that don't get how little anybody cares. And guess what? The same way Republicans didn't get it in the 90s.
3: One interesting thing is, his affairs seem to be way in his past. Bill Clinton's still having affairs. That man's been a sex maniac his entire life. And where was the left on this? Where was the main slime media? Where was their outrage? Huh, just didn't seem... Yeah, they did with Monica Lewinsky. They had to if they wanted to keep their ratings. That's the only reason they made a big thing out of Monica and covered that heavily. But all the rest of them didn't give him the time of day.
0: Now... Let me tell you something. First of all, I mean, the stormy thing happened when Melania has just given birth to Barron, so you can't go way past. But you know what? I got news for you. It doesn't bother me if a 75-year-old man can actually be active with women. If that, that would be actually rather impressive. He's, se- <laughs> he's
3: 70 or
0: 71
3: now. He's not 75, and, when, and this was back 12 years ago with, what's her name? If, in fact, it happened, then we're still not even sure of that. You know, no, 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 we're not sure of that, Christopher. You're going to trust... The testimony of a whore? Please,
0: Christopher. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. Because, you know why? Because uh, the Axis Hollywood tape and all this. You know what I think? And, and, and everybody read that as this is a horrible thing, terrible thing. And you and I argued about it on the no, air.
3: That hour. was locker room talk. I've well, heard that all of my life. And most of it is make-believe. It's made-up stuff. Men are just trying well, to but, act but like but they Here's the whole know.
0: thing. I actually think Trump, big star, likes women. It was true. And you know what? It doesn't particularly bother me yeah. and doesn't get it it's, doesn't bother me The Democrats. that's the Hollywood culture They're all jumping in bed with one another now all of a sudden.
3: They're so uh, they become puritans and so Horrified that there was somebody in Hollywood Tr- Trump's a Hollywood guy that was also engaging in their very same activity.
0: All right. We got We got one last thing we got to bring up and this is um, before we close this growing coastal segment here on the founders show and this is something, we talked a few weeks ago about self-guiding barges that were electric and they could go, literally they could put cargo on and be able to go up the canals there. It's already, this isn't hypothetical technology. It is being used in the Netherlands, it is being used in inland waterways and we talked about how this could transform. American waterways. Well, I want to give a tease to a story that I'm coming up on this. And hopefully raise the economy in New Orleans, huh? Uh, In New Orleans, or for that matter, in Long Beach, uh, California, in the coastal areas, particularly New York City and the intercoastal waterway. Well, here's the thing nobody considered. Guess what? The reason why most coastal cities that are on bays or rivers, it's actually easier to have boats take people from one place to another than roads or conventional public transport. Nothing gets in your way. Ferries, but ferries aren't used because they're very expensive. Even pedestrian ferries require U.S. Coast Guard approved captains, first mates. You're, you're, you're a U.S. flag vessel. It's very expensive to build them. It's very expensive to do. So you only use them in uh, major cases. If you look at other countries, uh, I'll I'll use Australia as a good example. Uh, Sydney, Australia is built on what's called the Circular Key, and so all the city is down this long harbor. And so they use, they don't have one ferry, they have 20, and it goes to different parts, just like buses, back and forth. Well, I asked, for a long time I've wondered, how do you make ferries cost effective? It looks like the Norwegians have figured it out. They have started doing not only electric ferries between the fjords, but they're in the process, out of Oslo, a company called Bologna, is in the process of introducing self-guiding, self-driving ferries that will take people between the different fjords automatically on the waters because it takes it. Now imagine that application for coastal cities. Not, no traffic, electric driven, no carbon from place to place to place and you have a revolutionary, uh, revolution in public transport. Yeah. Great
3: idea, Christopher. We'll I'm sure the Coast Guard is going to be interested in this. <laughs> and I, by the way, I'm, I'm with the Coast Guard
0: Auxiliary, so I'm kind of close to all this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it comes through. We'll see. All right, folks, that just about concludes it for our Going Coastal podcast. Thank you for joining us. For our listeners here on WRNO and WSLA, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back after this important commercial message. Remember, you can always listen to us from 8 to 9 a.m. on Sundays on WRNO 99.5 FM. And, ladies and gentlemen, on Fridays, Mondays, and Wednesdays. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays from 8 to 9 AM on WSLA 1560 AM. Or our full show on the iHeartMedia app. Um, just go to the iHeartMedia app. Put, load it in your smartphone. It'll be automatically updated. Or to the WRNO website. Look uh, on the On Demand section. Go to the Founders Show. You'll see Hi McHenry and Christopher Tidmore to your heart's content for two years' worth of episodes. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back after these important messages. Stay tuned. More to come on the Founders Show. Okay. Today's edition of the Founders Show is brought to you by Villaries Florist. 1-800-V-I-L-L-E-R-E or Villariesflorist.com. for all of your Easter basket needs and all of your post-Easter flowers. Give them a call, VillariesFlorist.com. It's also brought to you by the Royal Merchant Trading Company at royalmerchant.co. Just co, not com, royalmerchant.co on the web, or 504-952-5831. That's five nine five two five eight three one. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, local entrepreneur Barkley Rafferty that most of the spices that are in your grocery store, well, they may have been there for about two or three years. Seriously. And the real selection of the great tumins and cumins and all the different stuff, well, it just wasn't available. So she started importing spices directly from the farms, from South America, Asia, from all over the world, so that you could get it in a pack size, affordable amount, $5 a piece that for all of your needs over the next six months. She even has subscription packs each month with five famous chefs with five recipes and five spices and a little something extra. This month, it's her famed Bloody Mary packet for Easter. Go ahead and check it out, royalmerchant.co, or give her a call at the office 504-952-5831. 504-952-5831, and tell her you heard it on The Founders Show.
3: And this is Chapman McGinner. You've been Jerry of the Republic on the Founders Show. The number one rated weekend show on WRNO. Working with Christopher Tidmore as hard as we can to bring you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help us God. Christopher?
0: And, you know, I, people that are not following the truth, not surprisingly, are our legislators in Baton Rouge. Now, it would astonish some people to know that we actually have a surplus we keep talking about this billion-dollar deficit. We actually have a surplus. We got $123 million more last year than we, our revenue estimating conference, our economists, told us we were going to have. Now, the state law says you can't use that to plug the budget because you don't know if it's going to come back. You don't know if it's recurring revenue. And that's actually a good idea. We got in a lot of trouble because people like Edwin Edwards and others, and even Bobby Jindal, had constantly used one-time monies to do that, and it got through. current administration is not. The current legislature doesn't want to do that. What they do want to use the money on is a little bit troublesome. The governor has come out with uh, a lot of road and college and university and in, uh, infrastructure investments for most of this. But the problem is, what happens if we run a deficit next year? Now, one of the main uses of a surplus is to put it in a rainy day fund. So if you do have a deficit, that's the one area you can use it. Problem is, we have robbed 200-plus million dollars out of our Rainy Day Fund over the last several years. Don't just blame John Bell Edwards. Bobby Jindal rained it out as well. So it's, this is a bipartisan horror. The Louisiana Constitution requires that 12 million of the surplus go to pay down retirement debt, and that's reasonable. We have a huge deficit, and 31 million must be carved off the top for the Rainy Day Fund. That leaves $80 million. Now, maybe I'm just old enough, ancient enough to believe that 80 million dollars in the state of Louisiana is a really lot of money, so what are we going to do? Well, if I were less of a gentleman, I would use the P word and all away, but um, the fact of the matter is, it wants to be used, many of them reasonable, one man's pork is another man's pleasure, university buildings, libraries, so all good things, but what happens if we run a deficit next year? there's nothing left effectively in the rainy day fund. So why don't we put this money back? No one in Baton Rouge can seemingly answer that question for me and I've been asking it for several weeks. Instead we're going to use it for 23 transportation problems including um, they're basic 199 small dollar programs and about 10 million for campus maintenance. I will admit our university's maintenance budget is non-existent. We've pretty much eliminated. it, So none of this stuff that they want to use it for is bad. But I'm worried about what happens next year, because the fact is, it looks like we're heading into another special session. This legislative session is going to end early. We don't know when. We're going to look, be back where we were with trying to institute taxes. We know that we probably did a little bit better uh, on collecting taxes this year, we thought, to the tune of about three, four hundred million dollars. But that still means we're going to have to plug the deficit with about, somehow, with about seven hundred million dollars. And we can only cut from hospitals and universities which have been cut badly. So it's not like we can just cut our whole way there. We can cut something, but we can't cut our whole way there. It would be nice to know that if we have this problem the year after next, an election year, we might have a little extra money. But that kind of sanity is not something you see because guess what? Hyde McHenry, building a bridge, building a library, fixing a pothole, that gets you reelected. Putting money in a rainy day fund is not all that sexy to people. You're right, Christopher,
3: and that's what they look for. They look for the, the PR, how it's going to make them famous, how it's going to pump them, and um, uh, and and that's the problem. That's the issue.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's nothing that we're looking at. I'm looking at basically the list of projects, and for the most part, it's fixing bridges. You know, doing ramp improvements, uh, trying to get things going. Nothing that anybody would say is outrageous. This isn't this isn't like building uh, a bridge to nowhere, but it's one of those things that that ought to be dealt with separately just like we ought to look at our whole constitution which is the other issue it was a big move to have a constitutional amendment it doesn't look like that's uh, that would have a constitutional convention doesn't look like that's going to happen this legislative session in fact a whole lot of sound and fury signifying nothing is this legislative session but before we go out of the segment Somebody who was not full of sound and fury, who was full of great wisdom, passed away. We lost him. This week. You're right, Christopher. Uh, and, uh, thank you.
3: That's Richard Diamond, and uh, he's a dear old friend. He was the son of Irvin Diamond, who was one of the most famous attorneys in America. He's one who defended Clay Shaw during the JFK trial. Uh, tr- attorneys would travel from all over America just to come to where he, Irvin was trying a case to hear him speak. He was a remarkable trial lawyer. He put Perry Mason to shame. He was amazing. And his son walked in his footsteps, even ended up as a counsel in the Supreme Court, meaning he could try cases in the Supreme Court. He got his uh, pretty pen for that. And um, he was a remarkable man. It would take me hours to tell you all about him and his twin brother, Jim, who was also a very dear friend. I knew the family very well. In fact, I officiated at the funerals for Jim and for his father, Irvin Diamond. But Rich, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one story. Richard was in Vietnam and during, during some of the toughest times of the war, and he was he a was Navy search and rescue, which meant unlike most Vietnam vets, he was in combat almost daily. Uh, most Vietnam vets didn't see a lot of combat. They were there, but they didn't see a lot of combat. He did, and he, he saw the worst of it. Uh, he, the lifespan for his job was like one to two months. He survived the whole war. One of the stories was they had just picked up a pilot, a downed pilot in the middle of, of, of a hot area with the VC all around him, and, and uh, as they, they got the pile, they got out, the chopper was heading on over the rice paddy, and uh, Richard looked back and saw a little kid chasing him, trying to catch up. Well, there's no way he could catch him, but he was running for his life, and Richard knew when the VC caught him, they would kill him, ruthlessly kill him. Richard had him turn the chopper back, grabbed the kid, jumped out the chopper, grabbed the kid, got him out of there. Beautiful story, 30 years later. Richard is on the Gulf Coast, goes to use a restroom, and when he's in there, he doesn't come out. He, his, his wife starts calling for him, and, and all of a sudden, Richard and a Vietnamese man walk out of the restroom. That was the little boy he had saved. When they told that story at the funeral, there wasn't a dry eye there, mine included. There's so many stories I could tell you about him. He was a great man. God bless you, Richard, and we look forward to seeing you on the other side. And now it is time for us to take another break. We'll be right back, folks. (music) Folks, this is Chaplain Hyman Henry again, and I'm here to tell you about a fabulous radio show called Desperate Reality. This is sponsored by New Orleans Mission. I'm on the board of New Orleans Mission. I'm also one of the founders and originators of the show. I'm also the chaplain, counselor in the background, so I know the show very, very well. We, We air every Saturday night from 10 till midnight dealing with people's desperate reality we're the only live reality rescue talk show in america heard from sea to shining sea go to our website desperatereality.com find your favorite radio station and tune in every saturday night from 10 till midnight i promise you folks you will be amazed and if you may have your own desperate reality we can help you call in folks god bless you and now, folks, it's time for me to tell you about our ministry, Lamb Ministries. You can go to our website, lambnola.com, L-A-M-B-N-O-L-A.com. Find out all about us. We're an inner-city ministry with an inner-city formula for inner-city folks. We've seen remarkable things done with these kids, kids that have no hope, no future. Their only future is a, is a homeless mission, jail, or the morgue. And they all know it, and they don't know there's any other reality. But there is. And when they find Christ, and they find that they can get help, that life can change, their lives change radically. It's been a wonderful ministry. I can't wait to keep it going and seeing what the future holds. So check us out, lambnola.com. That's L-A-M-B-N-O-L-A.com. And we thank you so very, very much. Well, folks, this is Chaplain High McHenry, and it's now time for us to do our Chaplain Baba Patriotic moment, we'll just take a brief moment to remind you of the biblical foundations of America, our our Judeo-Christian jurisprudence, and today I want to talk with you about Patrick Henry, because it is Easter time, and he had a very interesting insight on that. When asked, how did America win against such overwhelming odds, America didn't have a chance to win the American Revolution, we had a little peep squeak group fighting the greatest military in the world, et cetera, Navy, there's no way America could have won that thing, and yet we won, we won big time, bigly so, if you will. How did we do it? They asked Patrick Henry that and this is what he said. He said this cannot be too overly emphasized or often stated America did not win because of religion or by religionists America won because of its evangelical faith in the Redeemer of this world the Lord Jesus Christ Let me tell you something folks. I think Pat- Patrick Henry wanted to keep God in government I think he understood the true nature of a, re- a real living relationship with our living God God Almighty, the God of the Bible. I think he understood that and he understood it well because he said it wasn't religion or religion. Mean it's not by human works. That's what religion is. Human works attempting to, to make God, if you will, to get to God. Uh, the, the Bible's version is it's God reaching us, not us reaching God. And he did that by what I'm going to explain to you right now, Call the gospel as we now go into our and blah, blah, gospel moment. The Bible says we've been saved by grace through faith and even that is not of ourselves it is a gift of god not of works lest any man should boast not religious works not any kind of works i don't care how rich you are how religious you are how holy you act etc 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 how much you turn from your sins none of that is going to do you any good jesus said to repent the repentance there means to change your mind you need to repent and change your mind that you cannot save yourself that's what repentance is He said, repent and believe. Believe in what? Believe that Jesus is God. He's all the way God and all the way man. He's perfect God and perfect man. That he died for all your sins on the cross. We're at the Easter time, folks. Resurrection Sunday is now. It's here. Let's think about this right now. That Jesus died for all your sins. From the day you're born to the day you die. The Bible says his blood washed him all the way. And then he rose from the dead to win for you his precious free gift of resurrection, everlasting life. All it takes is the faith of a little child. First, believe you can't save yourself. That is repentance. And then believe that only he can, that he did, and that he will. Pay for all your sins. Save you from a burning hell, and guarantee you everlasting resurrection life. If you've never done that before, folks, do it now. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Now is the day of salvation. You may not get tomorrow. Like the old country preacher said, don't wait till it's too late. So, folks, think about it as we're now uh, celebrating the key to the whole thing the resurrection if jesus hadn't arisen from the dead we the bible says we'd all be without hope the key is the resurrection and we celebrate that every year at this time remembering the the great work of christ on the cross and his resurrection folks do you need that resurrection life god wants to give it to you the bible says he didn't make hell for you he made hell for devils for sin for death and one day he's going to throw all that into hell but if those sins are still attached to you because they haven't been washed away with precious blood, they're going to drag you into hell. Don't let that happen to you, folks. Believe right now. Believe that Jesus really does love you, because He does, and that He rose from the dead after He paid for all your sins on the cross. Believe it now. Do it, folks. Do it. It's Easter time. Now's the time to do it if there ever was a time. Believe right now with all your heart. That means you're not trusting anything else. You're only trusting in the completed work of Christ on the cross. Well, we want to thank you so much for being with us. As we now close with Armand St. Martin singing A Creole Goodbye. You know, he's, he's the greatest jazz piano player in America, and he is the bard and minstrel of the Founders Show. So let's enjoy this final ballad from Armand St. Martin, A Creole Goodbye, and God bless you all out there.
2: This have to be the end of the night You know I love you in a pale moonlight I can see
3: across a million stars When I look in your
2: eyes We can mosey, it's the summertime. I suppose you couldn't call it a crowd If we take just a little longer To say our goodnight If we take just a little longer To say our goodnight If we take just a little longer Say our good night If we take just a little longer to say our good night With the Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.